Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Cinema Lounge Podcast, where we just chill and talk about movies. I am your host, Garrett Inman. It is currently 11, 11 p.m. Sunday night. As you know, this show goes up at 9 a.m. every Monday, so I am pushing it close to the vest. I, this is my second time trying to record this. I got about 20 minutes into the recording and realized that the audio recording software that I use was not working properly. So I apologize for that. I I apologize to myself, I guess, for that because I was going along a pretty decent train of thought. Today, today, tonight... words man when it's at, when it's nighttime and i'm tired as crap that's just how it is today we're going to talk about something that kind of caught me off guard um i've been kind of trying to keep up with the joneses in terms of the popular tv shows right now and there was this show that came across a lot of these podcasts i've been listening to and uh, movie reviewers and they've been hyping this thing up. It's uh, Mike Flanagan Project, who is known for a pretty good uh, Netflix horror show already. I haven't seen it, so this is my first Mike Flanagan Project. Um, but it's called Midnight Mass. Uh, it was really good. I watched it within a week. Seven-episode miniseries on Netflix. Highly, highly recommend. I know everyone's talking about Squid Game and all that fun stuff. I have not seen Squid Game yet, um, but I'm planning on it. It's on my to-do list. I just have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of shows I'm trying to catch up with already, so it's just hard to throw another one into the mix, and I just prioritize Midnight Mass first. I mean, right now I'm currently watching uh, I'm, I'm, I'm watching uh, Doom Patrol season as they push out episodes for season three, Highly recommend. It's one of the best superhero shows I've ever seen. Very emotionally resonant. Really good acting. Some solid humor. Um, really wha- weird, wacky concepts that just work within a comic book setting. Uh, absolutely love it. Highly recommend. I'm currently watching Morning Show Season 2. Uh, not great, in my opinion. I. I just think they took what worked about season one and kind of just watered it down and took it to almost a cartoony uh, end instead of making these characters feel as real as they were in season one. There's still like two characters that I really like, but the rest of them have just kind of felt aimless or just over the top in not a good way. Um, But I'll, I'll stick with it. I mean, I love Billy Crudup in the show and, He's really, like, carrying the entire thing on his back. So hopefully he can turn that around or they can turn that around. Um, I'm also currently watching Young Justice Season 4, which uh, started dropping episodes last week. Um, One of my all-time favorite cartoons uh, ever. It takes its subject matter seriously, uh, tells these excellent stories with characters who don't usually get the spotlight. Uh, it starts out with like Robin, Miss Martian, Superboy, uh, Kid Flash, and I believe Artemis. Uh, and their adventures gradually growing and expanding the group, adding Zatanna into the mix. Season 2 expands and we focus on a new generation of the Young Justice crew with Blue Beetle and Beast Boy and... Uh, Donna Troy, uh, Wonder Girl, uh, and other characters. Season 3 expands the group even more to where we get to follow Black Lightning's journey as a Justice League member uh, or the formation of the Outsiders and and crap like that. But Season 4 is kind of narrowing back on our original group of characters, and I can't wait to see what they do. Uh, I'm currently also watching What We Do in the Shadows. It's on its third season. Fantastic, funny show. Highly recommend the movie uh, directed by Taika Waititi, as well as the show, who is uh, produced by Waititi. But it it, it just kind of continues off of that concept while incorporating uh, just a lot of fun cameos. I think the episode that just got posted this past week featured uh, David Cross, 
as a vampire who has a relationship with a real woman and Donald Logue as himself, <laughs> who just became a vampire after starring in the first Blade movie, which is great. I love how they do that concept. Freaking uh, Wesley Snipes is in uh, an episode in the first season. It's great. I love the show. Um, but yeah, I'm keeping up with all of that. I'm currently watching through Justified. Uh, finish its fifth season. Great show. Uh, I think I have one more season to go. If you guys like neo-westerns, highly suggest justified uh starring timothy oliphant and walton goggins uh started watching uh chowder one of the many cartoons i missed out on as a kid uh either due to parenting uh not allowing me to watch the show or me just not being interested because i was a dumb kid there were very few shows that i watched uh Chowder was not one of them. I'm trying to kind of go back and rewatch show these cartoons that I missed. I'm also watching through Powerpuff Girls with my little brother. Uh, that was a show that I really loved watching as a kid, but didn't get to watch a lot of. Uh, watch SpongeBob, uh, a lot of '70s shows. <laughs> Somehow I watched a lot of Flintstones, Jetsons, uh, some Yogi Bear up in there. Uh, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You was my jam. What's new, Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated were all my jam. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else did I watch as a kid? I really liked uh, The Amazing World of Gumball. That one's a newer one, but I think it ended around 2016, where I was still legally a kid. Um, but that was a show I loved watching growing up. Uh Shoot, I'm sure there's some others that I'm that I'm missing, but I'm trying to go back and rewatch or watch these cartoons that I missed as a kid. Your Dexter's Laboratory, Courage the Cowardly Dog, shows that I've I unfortunately missed out on that I would like to experience. Uh but yeah. All that being all that being said, uh I decided to in between seasons of Justified Put, put it on pause and sit down and watch Midnight Mass over the course of a week. Seven episodes, you can watch it once a day, and it's an easy, like, week-long watch. And it is a show about vampires and religion, and it handles it flawlessly. <laughs> uh, now, due to me being tired, uh, a little loopy, and it being late at night and I'm going to try to get this done as fast as possible so I can go to bed and get the scrap edited and uh, put out. This might not be as in-depth as I would like it, but I'm going to do my best. Um, and the reason I recorded this late at night is because I got unexpectedly busy because I had to read an entire textbook so I could do a midterm uh, and then I had to build this thing right here. Uh, which is a model of a room. And that took way longer than expected. So now I'm recording late at night, talking about religion. This is going to be fun. <laughs> so, the uh, a more in-depth premise, let's say, of Midnight Mass is that a con... I think it's like a consignor... A consignor, senior, consignor, uh, disappears. He go, he leaves this island and doesn't come back. And he's replaced by a na man named Father Paul. Uh, and if you hear that, that's rain. I had left my window open. <laughs> Hold on. I left my window open to get some cool air, but now it's starting to rain. Uh, that wasn't a good idea. I will be right back. Uh, we'll just do a jump cut.
All right, we're back. Sorry about that, folks. That was... Uh, did not expect for it to rain tonight. Where was I? All right. The Consignor uh, leaves an island to go on, like, a little trip. And on that trip, he gets injured, and he's replaced by the mysterious Father Paul. Meanwhile, uh, a strange son, a strange man, Riley Flynn, uh, come, gets out of prison and comes back to his hometown on the island, uh, a changed man, uh, in their opinion, for the worst. He leaves the island and goes to prison as an altar boy, gets out, uh, however many years later, as an atheist. Uh, also returning to the island is Aaron Green, who was a very uh, out-there, rambunctious girl, but coming back, she seems to be a bit more secure in her faith, but she did uh, get pregnant, I think, out of wedlock, and she's intent on raising uh, this child as her own. Uh, really good show. <laughs> that's, that's what I'll say up front. I think this is a really good show with a really good cast of characters. The first episode, I think, establishes this small town really well getting to know all the characters whether it be Aaron coming back home Riley the atheist coming back home to this island full of uh, very devoted Catholics uh, Bev uh, who is this staunch nun I think she's a nun I'm not entirely sure what her role is but she acts like a nun so I'm going to say she's a nun but she's this staunch uh very strict nun who believes her who basically acts as if she's better than everyone else you have annie flynn the mother of riley who is very devout in her faith that she almost gets blinded by some of the weird events going on surrounding the church you have warren who is a young boy a little brother of riley who is now an altar boy going off on his own adventures uh with uh, other local children like Uker and Ali. Ali is the son of the new sheriff in town named uh, Sheriff Hassan, who is Muslim. And so that creates some conflict, especially with Bev, as now we have an atheist, a uh, woman who had a child who's going to have a child out of wedlock, and. Uh, a Muslim interacting with a group of very devout Catholic people. You also have Lisa, a girl who is crippled uh, and is wheelchair bound. Dr. Sarah Gunning, who uh, you find out to be lesbian. Uh, you also have her mother, Mildred, who goes through some changes of her own. <laughs> I'm trying to be a little vague here because I do want you to go see, go watch this show. I do think. This is, this is like an Infinity Train type deal. I want you to go see this because I don't think enough people have seen it. I don't want to spoil everything. I'll get into spoilers later. Uh, you have Sturge, who's kind of in charge of all the docks uh, on the island. People like uh, Ed, father of Riley, who is devout, but he kind of, he, he doesn't have rose-colored glasses about everything that's going on. And then, of course, you have Father Paul. Father Paul is the best character in the show, in my opinion. The more you find out about him, the layers peeled back uh, on his backstory and his relationships and why he's there is so fascinating. <laughs> it is... It, it, it creates for a really good sympathetic antagonist. Um, I don't think it's any secret that he kind of he him being the catalyst for every weird thing that goes on. Um, he's kind of our antagonist of the show, even if he's not the most unsympathetic character, which I would award to Bev. I wanted to punch Bev in the face every second she was on screen. Father Paul is much more sympathetic. And you can go along a lot with, um, at the very least, his emotions and, and the way he interacts with people for his first couple of episodes. But the more you learn about him, the more you realize he's kind of full of crap. Um, he's kind of insane. Uh, <laughs> um, and 
The vamp the way vampires come in is that there is a vampire on the island credited as the angel as um he's kind of viewed as this angelic figure. He's not viewed as a vampire or a demon. Uh, people believe him to be an angel from God who is sent down to grant the chosen people uh, immortality and, and um, special abilities so that they may ascend to heaven or whatnot. I don't. I really don't know. This church that Father Paul leads, it starts out as a normal church that's trying to be welcoming to everyone and invite everyone to come and congregate and be a part of this community, and it quickly devolves into a cult, uh, pretty much, where Father Paul, not necessarily out of malicious intent, uh, becomes a false witness. He transforms into a false witness, leading people astray, uh, radicalizing certain people into this uh, ideology that he didn't want to promote, but inadvertently ended up doing, uh, which allows him to be a sympathetic character. He believes what he's doing is right, and only when it's too late does he realize he's wrong, uh, and pandemonium ensues. Uh, and I guess with that, F it, uh, spoilers. <laughs> Go watch the show, pause it right now. It is really good, worth your time. Um, but yeah, I don't think I can talk about anything without spoiling it. So uh, as we find out, and like I'm literally about to spoil it, so pause it now, now. All right, now that everyone's gone, who has not seen the show yet, um, Father Ball turns out to be the consignor who... Uh, left the island so he's this guy all along he bumped into the angel uh, the vampire who bit him and drank his blood and then in turn fed him his blood so he could become a immortal and become like a vampire uh, and he ages down to his most perfect self as some of us believe when we die and go to heaven we're going to go to heaven as our most perfect uh, physically self so pretty much like I guess in your 30, 40s range, kind of like that is how you are going to be peak physically, uh, usually, I suppose. Uh, so he ages down to becoming Hamish Linklater, <laughs> uh, who, by the way, did a fantastic job. The, uh, Hamish Linklater is one of the most underrated actors currently working in Hollywood. Uh, he was great in Legion, great in The Big Short. I hope he is in more stuff. He was fantastic in here. He gives his best performance I've seen from him uh, in this show. And um, he gets aged down, comes back uh, to this island to basically try to get as many people as possible to experience that same thing. So anytime they go through communion, instead of drinking the uh, blood of Christ, a.k.a. wine, a.k.a. grape juice, depending on what church you go to, um, he puts the vampire blood, the angel's blood in there. So everyone's drinking the blood, uh, which has these healing properties because when you become a vampire, you become uh, superhuman, have increased... Re uh, like regenerate regeneration abilities you can kind of fly a bit um i guess depending on what kind of vampire you are but certain properties of being a vampire comes through when you drink it but you don't fully become a vampire so let's say when lisa uh drinks the vampire's blood she's suddenly able to walk because the vampire's blood helped heal her legs but she's not fully a vampire. The way you become a vampire in the show is once you drink the blood, you have to be killed. So, um, trying to remember, like, Ollie, he drinks the vampire's blood, drinks poison, dies, comes back as a vampire. Uh, Father Paul, he has been drinking the vampire's blood. He gets shot in the face and then comes back to life as a vampire. So that's kind of the way the vampire, uh vampirism kind of works in this show and it m makes for really interesting unlayering of events um but yeah father paul in my opinion is the most interesting character in terms of like he reflects so many people in our culture right now in my opinion uh there's so many people 
in our culture, in our society, who are convinced that they're in the right, that they are on a righteous mission, uh, in some case, from God. Uh, they feel like they are leading people down the right path, uh, but they're not. They're inadvertently creating this whole cult-like uh, uh, group, this entire group where everything has to be a certain way. Everything is a certain way, and you can never question anything. You can never uh, so much as step outside of the boundaries of way of the way of thinking of this group and realizing it too late trying to kind of turn its back or change but because you've radicalized your group so much they're going to kick you out if you say anything negative at this point um but there's so many father pauls out there uh whether or not they're even aware yet of their uh leading astray of people and that's within religious circles and outside and in secular circles, I believe. Uh, you have so many groups of people out there, whether it's like, oh, I don't know. Like you have those prosperity gospel preachers or like, you know, the, the, the over-the-top, uh, I call them tent preachers, where it's like we're just trying to perform as many miracles as possible and get you to buy our product or whatever, right? That... Uh, in those cases, it's malicious, but you're leading people astray, but basing it in some sort of, like, good core. You're taking some verses from the Bible, but twisting it to make it look different so people will give you money for your holy water or, you know, whatever, right? <laughs> um, so there are a lot of things in real life that reflect kind of what Father Paul is doing to a lesser extent or in a greater extent if you want to make that argument. And I think that makes for a fascinating look into the world of religion because the show isn't attacking Catholicism. I don't think every Catholic church is like this. I think uh, there are certain Catholic leaders who are probably this crazy, as there are in any other group. Um, but... You know, this isn't a show that's trying to attack Catholicism. It's not trying to attack Christianity or belief in a deity. It's basically just kind of showing the dangers of following false prophets, people who believe they're doing what's right and leading people astray into something that's become loony, but they've been pushed to that extent because of the trust that's been built up. Uh, and I think it just kind of reveals the dangers of following man and I, I like i think that's the big message the big theme to pull out of this is the reason people go astray is because they start listening to father paul and not god or his word people go astray because they get wrapped up into the spectacle of what paul's doing oh he got he made lisa walk not god but but father paul did oh my gosh father paul just drank some uh, poison and died and came back to life. We can do that too. Oh my gosh, let's follow Father. It becomes about the man and not what the power beyond that. And um, I think most people, uh, at least if you are, do you, you believe in a deity? Religion is about the deity, following what the deity says, doing everything for the deity, and following the following man man is flawed right and i think mo most people would agree with this you should never put your faith in man in a general as a general concept or in a man in a woman in 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 a leader uh fully like you can have faith that they're going to do a good job but like when it comes time to vote for president don't put all your chips on a single candidate and be like, this is the guy who's going to save us all. Look at everything he's done. Because that's how you create cult-like personalities, right? Uh, th that's how you create just a stubborn mind. Uh, be willing to admit when men is wrong. Men, men is wrong? When men are wrong, right? Fine, uh, for me personally, when I go and go on the internet... And, and look or, or watch the people I watch. It's much more interesting and much more engaging to listen to podcasts 
watch YouTube videos or people talk about things that I don't fully agree with. I don't agree with everything every person I watch in, on YouTube or listen on Spotify uh, say. That's just not fun. <laughs> it's much more engaging to listen to a podcast and go, oh yeah, no, I agree with that, but... What you're saying here, I don't know if I agree. Like, you're constantly engaging with the content, which makes the content in and of itself more engaging. And um, and that creates this, this furtherment of being able to think critically. Uh, and what happens with this kind of stuff is that you just kind of boil it down to, well, anything this man says goes... And so I'm going to base my entire belief system, I'm going to base my entire ideology off of what a dude says, which I think is wrong. I think it is foolish. I think it just completely negates human nature because all humans are going to mess up at some point. It is a fact. No one is perfect, even if they claim they are. So don't put your faith in a man, right? Put your faith in something that is bigger than a man, whatever... That ends up being, of course, you know me, I am a Christian, so I would say put your faith in God, but whatever it ends up being, find something that is greater than yourself, greater than a dude or a woman, and and, and that is how better change happens, that is how, um, that is how messages are spread, that's how community is created, it's by coming together with the idea of serving something bigger than yourselves rather than coming together to serve a person. Um, and I think this was kind of highlighted here through Father Paul's story. Um, I mean, that covers a lot of what my main thoughts coming out of it are. Uh, I already mentioned Bev Keen. I wanted to punch uh, <laughs> a punch her in the face. There's just there's a certain type of character that I get aggravated with in a good way that I really just want to see them get their comeuppance. Uh, a mo actually a movie that's in my weekly recommendations also features such a character as Bev Keen, this freaking know-it-all character who thinks they know everything, talks down to every other character, but you know they're wrong and you cannot wait for the moment they find out they're wrong so you can laugh in their face. And if you ever meet them in person you would curb stomp them because of their character. Um, Bev Keen is one of those types of characters who is this religious ideologue, right? You don't even know if she fully believes in what she says. She constantly spouts Bible verses in order to manipulate people into doing exactly what she wants. You get this feeling that she relishes in having power over people, relishes in the ability to tell people what to do and they can't tell her no she loves uh being at the center of attention and and being in a place of authority she views herself as better than those around her and it gets annoying as crap <laughs> but that's the type of person she is and that's the type of person a lot of other people are i know within the church community there are people certain people who go to church who view themselves as being better than others they view themselves as morally superior because, well, at least I don't watch porn. Or, at least I don't go home and fantasize about women. Or, at least I don't sag my pants and pierce my ears and say curse words. I don't say drop F-bombs, but then I'll go home and gladly say asshole. You know? <laughs> Sorry for the language, but, you know, it's like... You'll go home and say that to, to your wife or your husband or whatever. You'll go home and freaking punch a hole in the wall if the Razorbacks lose, right? Uh, you know, these people who have it in their minds that they're better than pe other people because they don't have the worst sin or whatever when A, all sin is, is equal in God's eyes, but B, you fail to recognize your own faults and that makes you not... A better person it almost makes you worse in the landscape of humanity in terms of at the very least when people recognize their problems and even try to work to better it you should encourage that uh, but instead there's this judgmental air of well 
that person's addicted to drugs. Yeah, they know they're addicted. They're trying to get help. You're just sitting there judging them when you have your own skeletons in the closet. You know, Mr. Jenkins, I know you go home and you click on freaking Brazzers or whatever, right? You don't. You shouldn't be talking about Jimmy's heroin addiction. He's trying to get some help. You're not. You're just hiding everything from people, presenting yourself as being better, which makes me like you less. And that's kind of the character Bev is, is she's this embodiment of people who become too ritualistic with, with church and with religion. It's all about the process. It's all about the power. It's all about being better than other people rather than bettering yourself and being a part of a community that helps each other be better, work through struggles, um, being sympathetic and empathetic towards one another, being able to engage in open discourse about the things you struggle with. Um, and I lost my train of thought there, but pretty much just she embodies this this person who values the tradition and ritual of church and making herself better than other people via that tradition and ritual rather than recognizing the actual value of a church body and a church community. Um, at least that's how I took it. Um, another character that I found very interesting that I mentioned briefly was Sheriff Hassan. Sheriff Hassan is not like this... Muslim radical or whatever he's just someone who after the death of his wife kind of recommitted to Islam and, and got more involved in terms of uh, praying towards the Mecca and praying to Allah uh, daily and trying to raise his son as a Muslim but as the show goes on Ali decides he wants to attend this church causing some friction between them and you get to find out why Sheriff Hassan is so uh, dedicated and so indignant about uh, sticking with uh, Islam because his wife died, because he fought hard to get where he's at, right? He uh, worked his way up in the FBI, but uh, just in the wake of 9-11 and kind of finding out how people, certain people viewed him, so he just decided to hit the reset button, go out into the, an island in the middle of nowhere, right? He's the, just this guy... Uh, Desperately trying to honor his wife while also trying to find his place in the world along with his son um, And it makes for a very compelling character arc um, He's almost like this outsider in a town full of religious zealots right? He's the one who stands out because he believes in a different religion uh, And I feel as though a lot of conflicts is, are between religion. Yes, uh, generally, I feel like people can identify, like Christians and Muslims, at least on a baseline, uh, <laughs> typically agree on more uh, in terms of, at the very least, both of you guys believe there's a deity that sets forth specific guidelines in, ter uh, in order to live by, while like a Christian and an atheist would probably have a bit more of a theological clash because one person believes that there is a deity, the other person completely rejects the premise, uh, which makes for a lot more stricter clash. At the very least, both a Muslim and a Christian can accept the uh, start from the premise of a deity and go from there. Uh, but somehow... There's more conflict between Muslims and Christians instead of, like, Christians and atheists or, you know, whatever. Typically, atheists kind of just do their own thing while Muslims and Christians and Mormons and Catholics kind of squabble in a corner. <laughs> um, but that's kind of what Hassan is. Hassan is the religious outsider. Riley, Riley is kind of like the anti-religious person, the person who rejects the premise, but Hassan is someone who has his own religion that he feels the, you know, that he feels compelled to spread to other people. He has his own book, the Quran, um, and it causes conflict when like Bev starts giving out Bibles to her class. And Hassan's like, I recognize that this is a Christian, 
uh, an island, but this is a public school. We do not need to be handing out religious texts to our students, which I completely agree with. If it is a public school, a school that is open to anyone, we should not be trying to force any specific ideology onto our kids and just teach them strict, straight-up facts like math and calculus and algebra, which is currently a hot topic of debate in the country. It's a topical show. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you have Hassan, you got characters like Aaron, who has a pregnancy that suddenly she miscarries, but it kind of disappears as if it was never there. Uh, and I don't remember if we actually got a resolution as to what exactly happened to Littlefoot or Child. Um, but, you know, she miscarries and she sits down with Riley and has one of the best moments of the show is where she sits down, talks to Riley about what it's like after you die. Riley, being an atheist, of course, is like, well, I just believe in blackness, right? When you die, you just kind of fade away and there's nothing, right? Very bleak, <laughs> very bleak out view uh, on life. Uh, if you ask me, but, you know, just kind of like, there's just, like, he seems to accept it, but for me, it just comes off as kind of depressing in terms of just, when you die, there's nothing. Uh, there's blackness, once you, you know, YOLO, you only live once, after this life, there's nothing, I just want to leave my best uh, mark on it, and Aaron talks about just kind of like, First off, talking about what she believes after you die, what happens, uh, saying that, yeah, there's there's no giant mansions and all this, like, gold and bullcrap. It's just us, right? We die and we go to an area where it's uh, me, my, you know, little foot, my mom, my dad, and God, and we're just there. We're in each other's presence. And it's something I've never quite heard put into words before, but it is a very comforting image of it's not like we're all going to die and go up up to heaven and it's like we're all going to be Jeff Bezos and we're going to be, you know, running Amazon together or we're gonna all going to be freaking billionaires with these extravagant houses and <laughs> giant fountains and arcade machines or whatnot. It's just us. We're just going to exist as a community, intermingling with each other for all of eternity, um, which I, for one, think sounds great. Just like being in each other's presence in the presence of God and just hanging out, like going, yeah, let's praise God. But, you know, I got Billy over here, Jimmy on my other side. We're just chilling, praising God. We're just going to do this forever. <laughs> But yeah, it was it was a very interesting conversation, but when it gets super emotional is when she talks about her unborn child, where one day he just gets sent down to earth and then suddenly goes back up. And she's talking about just like how like the experience of a child coming, you know, being created your experience you know i think children can experience pain five weeks after pregnancy don't hold me to that but i believe that's the the amount of time you get that heartbeat after week two or three um and that's when you just start to experience life as a fetus as a baby and you come down to earth you awake and you're inside the womb you hear muffled voices outside and you're just getting fed through a tube in your belly. And you're growing and growing in this confined space. Just chilling. And then the next day, the next minute, you're just not there anymore. You just kind of wake up and you're in heaven now. Your entire life on earth was inside of a woman's belly. And, you know, she she says this line that kind of strikes just like 
and I don't know, it hit me emotionally, it hit my buddy emotionally. He said, like, he almost cried when she said this, but she just said, I like to imagine God just sent him down for a little nap. He just kind of took a break from being up in heaven and took a nap while he was on earth and came back up. I can never know what it feels like to have a child inside of you. Love that child. Prepare for that child. Uh, daydreaming names and all of uh, that. And then one day just the life that was once there not being there anymore. That would be a devastating experience. And you feel that emotion. You feel that grief and that pain. The hope that comes with religion and faith uh, seeping its way into that conversation, into Aaron's emotions just feels real. You know, it... It's that light at the end of the tunnel. It shows you why people cling on to faith and why, in my opinion, faith is necessary to live life. Is in the deepest, darkest pits of your life. You will always, if you have faith, if you have that faith, that relationship with a higher power, in my case with God, there's always someone there to pull you out. There's always that peace, that faith, that hope that things will get better, uh, that confidence that things will get better. Um, I guess my best, my best comparison would be almost a year ago, probably like 10 months, something like that, 10, 11 months ago, uh, my family went through some some trials of our own. Uh, actually, a month prior to this incident, a guy I worked with at my church suddenly up and died of a heart attack, which completely caught me off guard. And then a month later in December of 2020, uh, my mom died after a very lengthy struggle uh, and battle with brain cancer. Uh, I kind of chuckle to myself now uh, after Norm McDonald died uh, and people sharing the joke about uh, him talking about, you know, it's weird that we say, uh, I don't, I can't do Norm McDonald voice, but, you know, he's like, you know, it's weird when we say that so-and-so lost their battle with cancer. We called them a loser. They fought hard, but they lost. <laughs> so-and-so died a loser. <laughs> That that joke comes to my mind now, and, you know, for me, humor, levity, uh, helps me deal with a lot of the crap in life. I'm not a very, uh, usually I'm not a very serious person. I'm usually someone who's just kind of, like, cracking up. If something awful happens, I'm usually the first person to make a joke of it, maybe even too soon sometimes, just that's the way my brain works. I have a very dark sense of humor, which kind of helps with this kind of stuff. Um, but we went through this whole thing, right? Uh, caring for her, putting her in hospice and just one moment she was there and the next gone, right? The, the soul, the life that was in this human was no longer there. And, you know, we all deal with grief in our own ways, um, but there was a weird feeling of peace about a lot of this, right? Where I've seen people's families who've died and they're just bawling their eyes out. There's this feeling of hopelessness when you're there with them, you're trying to comfort them. Uh, I could tell sitting with my family that because of this faith, because of this hope, um, we weren't all, like, obviously there's grief to go along with that boat. We all felt at peace because we knew where she was at. We knew that we would see her again. Uh, and you get stuck in this hole of grief or guilt or 
you know, whatever it is, addiction, um, depression, you always have at least one person looking out for you. It helps to have that community who will come together, most certainly. But at the end of the day, even if there's no one else, you still have God, if you have that faith. Um, and that's what helped a lot with me, was just being able to go, you know, she's with him now. I don't really have to worry, because I'll see her again. Uh, it's what, what, the trailer from Nomadland, right, where uh, that the nom the nomad guy was like, you know, when you're on the road, it's never, uh, what is it? It's like, we never say goodbye. We always say, we'll see you down the road. And that's kind of how it is, uh, at least with me. And I, I'm sure it's the same with my family. It, it's not goodbye. It was just, we'll see you down the road. Um, and that's kind of the impact of faith, right? You could say it's a cope. Or, you know, this coping mechanism to deal with all these complex feelings. And if you want to say that, more power to you. But for me and my house, to quote the first part of a verse from Joshua, <laughs> we have that hope. We um, get to experience peace about it and not wallow in the experience for too long. Right? We had an adjustment period and now we're doing fine you know we're going to school we're hanging out with friends we're doing you know i'm doing a podcast <laughs> i'm watching movies i'm doing homework i'm trying to write a, sc a screenplay right i'm joking i'm uh, just living life right there is an adjustment period there is a grieving period and we have the hope we'll see her down the road I honestly don't remember how I got started on this rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, um, so I have no idea how to wrap up this 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 thought that's in my head. <laughs> I think I was talking about Sheriff Hassan. Uh, but yeah, it it's it's interesting how. Oh no, the conversation. It was the 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 the, the baby. That's what it was. But yeah. It, it's just so interesting, just the thoughts that come from a simple conversation. Um, and that's what I love about this show is that it provokes those conversations, provokes those thought streams relating to characters. This character, this show has people from all over the spectrum, uh, someone you can kind of plug into or, or someone you can recognize within the show, whether it is the religious zealot, the misled leader uh, the religious outcast, the person who doesn't feel like he belongs, uh, the person who just, who fits into the group, but has you know everyone in the show is human. Everyone has flaws. Right? Uh, I look at this list of people, and you know Aaron had sex out of wedlock. I believe either uh, I'm pretty sure that's her. <laughs> that that's kind of her thing. Um, but she had sex out of wedlock and got pregnant. But she's still going to this church. Riley is an atheist. Annie Flynn is so devoted that she just doesn't recognize the reality of what's happening. She's become ignorant to what's around her. Bev is a religious zealot. Uh, Warren is just a kid, just doing his, you know, doing kid things. He smokes weed. He, you know, he's a little debaucherous. Sheriff Hassan is quote unquote the wrong religion for the island. Right, he believes in something that no one else believes in. Uh, Lisa is crippled, and I know that's not like a, a character flaw or whatever, but it's just something that physically character or otherwise, right? She's, she's someone who's been crippled. Uh, she's wheelchair-bound. She doesn't fit in with people who walk, right? There's something that makes her stand out in the crowd, something that uh, can make her be looked down upon in certain religious circles uh dr sarah gunning like i said is lesbian which you know you have that whole issue <laughs> within the church in between churches uh mildred is also someone who had a child out of wedlock uh ali is also muslim but he comes into conflict with his father trying to fit in with his friends uh 
Sturge is someone who got mis who was a sheep who got misled. Um let's see. I mean Dolly was also a misled sheep. Uh Ed was a man who he's kind of like a doubting Thomas, right? Who eventually gets to find the right path and then obviously Father Paul is a misled sheep in and of himself but becomes a a blind man leading the blinds and all these characters are human all these characters have their different flaws or different qualms with catholicism one way or another whether it is you know breaking the covenant uh in certain ways each of these characters in some way contradicts the text that they follow, or in Riley's case, uh, doesn't follow. And that's what makes the show feel human. None of these characters are perfect paragons of, of virtue, right? Riley's not the, the atheist who's right about everything in the world, and he's going up against these religious zealots. No, Riley's a flawed guy who killed a girl and got sent to prison. Right, and when he gets out, he's trying to figure out who he is. Right, he doesn't know who he is. He's trying to figure out his way in the world. Um, it's a show about humans and, and their relationship with religion and faith and belief. But it's also a show about vampires, which I barely touched on because the vampires really don't come in until the last couple of episodes. Um, I, I guess I did talk about them in terms of like all the townsfolk turn into vampires and vamp vampirism almost comes becomes like this enabler right where uh i really liked how ed and annie became vampires and weren't giving in to their base instincts to kill uh humans and drink their blood everyone else was going is going crazy and sucking blood and going oh you smell good and then ed's like no they're just animals they have no self-control they pretend like they've ascended but then they just use it as an excuse to be bad people, right? They use it as an excuse to be monsters. Once again, another commentary on certain religious people uh, who use religion and twist religion around uh, as an excuse to justify their evil actions or the things they say or the hatred they spew. Um, I'm looking at you, Westboro Baptist Church. <laughs> Right, using religion as kind of this cope or this excuse um, to justify the crap they do. Um, and that's kind of what it devolves into, right? They, you know, the people who've been turned into vampires, they believe they're right. They believe that it's their responsibility to turn everyone into vampires but, and drink blood and give in to this, this base instinct and have zero self-control. But Ed and Annie manage to exercise self-control and in the end they're the ones who lead the normal islands people who realize they were also wrong in a song of you know song a song of prayer a hymnal um kind of almost recommitting themselves to god um i think they sing closer my god to thee right they're basically like we're gonna die we want to we want to get our minds right right we were led astray we're going to die regardless. Uh, we're coming closer, my God, to thee, both in the spiritual sense and both in a literal sense, as they watch the sunrise and they all get freaking <laughs> disintegrated. Uh, almost every character by the end becomes vampires, except for Lisa, uh, Warren. They escape, get on a boat, and head out. Everyone else dies. <laughs> Either they were turned into vampires and get effing disintegrated, uh, his son gets shot and bleeds out as his son disintegrates. Uh, Bev is the only one who doesn't accept her fate and um, desperately tries to dig a hole, revealing her cowardice, right, for all of her big talk. She also was trying not to become a vampire. When everyone else was, she hid in the back room because she knew what this entailed, right? She was this coward who didn't fully believe what she said. She just went along with it to exercise her control over people. And in her last minutes, she acts like a effing coward rat. Like, <laughs> like the hoe, like the freaking <laughs> mm, words for you, <laughs> like the hoe she is.
Uh, and I love it. I love how each individual character's final actions reflect. Oh, crap. I'm sorry. I keep hitting it back. Reflect their arc. Reflect who they are by the end of the show. Uh, and I really enjoy that. Aaron uses her final moments uh, to cut up the vampire's wings so he can't fly off. So he disintegrates as well. Uh, she gets bitten and eaten by him. Uh, but doesn't get turned into a vampire, so she bleeds out. Uh, Riley gets turned into a vampire in, like, episode four and basically tells Aaron, like, everything about vampirism before uh, killing himself so he doesn't have to eat his friends. Um, Yeah, this is definitely a show in which everyone dies. (laughs) There are literally two survivors in this entire show, which makes it kind of melancholic by the end of it. Uh, however, I think it ended on a kind of a high note with the church recommitting themselves to God by singing near my God to thee. Um, but yeah, I believe, I believe that is all I have to say about the show Midnight Mass. Uh, Midnight Mass... It's a fantastic Netflix show. Highly recommend it. You guys should go watch it. Uh, get your own conclusions uh, about this fantastic vampire uh, horror religious show. I think it does th- one of the best jobs I've seen from anything uh, representing the religion issue. Uh, religion in a very authentic, uh, non-hateful, but also non-like pure flicks way right it doesn't try to dissuade you from pursuing religion it doesn't try to dunk on religion but it also doesn't try to go you're a heathen if you don't believe in god and we're gonna if you are an atheist you're gonna get run over by a car and then bleed out in the middle of the street and then david a.r white is gonna come and minister to you and you're gonna get saved at the last second while your wife is at a newsboys concert while you get cooked cucked by the newsboys <laughs> um that's a reverence to God's not dead. Uh, but it presents a very balanced view on different types of people who are in religion. There's not a single, it's not a conglomerate. It's not a monolith, uh, in, in terms of religious people. I wish it was in terms of, I wish everyone would follow, you know, in Christianity would follow exactly what the Bible says, but as we are not perfect individuals, that's never going to happen. Um, but yeah, let's wrap it up with weekly recommendations. It is currently past midnight now. The rain is starting to pick up. I need to go to bed. I'm freaking tired as crap. I still need to take a shower. I need to edit this as well, especially uh, the jump cut. So let's wrap it up with our weekly recommendations. My first recommendation uh, we're going to start with an oldie. Uh, I was going to recommend some horror movies like I have been. The issue is uh, I've been binge-watching all of the Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street movies this week. And let me tell you something. 85 to 90% of those movies aren't good. <laughs> I would only recommend like two or three of them. But the rest of them I just think are garbage. Have various levels of garbage. Some of them are entertaining, but... That's about it. Um, I think I only I'm only missing one nightmare movie, and then about three or four Friday movies, um, which I'm sure aren't gonna be good anyways. Uh, so I'm only gonna recommend one out of that group of movies, and that's gonna be my horror recommendation for the week, which is Nightmare on Elm Street Three: Dream Warriors. It is the best movie I've seen this week. I have I didn't actually watch the first movie, so I'm not saying this is better than the first movie. Uh, I've seen I saw the first movie like two years ago in my uh, first annual. I'm just going to watch horror movies for October <laughs> tradition. Um, so I decided to re-pick up on where I left off with the series. Uh, and this movie ended up being my favorite out of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I highly doubt the 2010 remake is going to be good at all, much less pass this up. This up. Um, but it introduces a good, fun core group of characters. You got people like Kincaid, uh, Joey, 
Um, it's just this fun set of characters uh, introduces this idea of being able to be pulled into dreams by certain people having dream powers, uh, which is a little unexplained in the movie, but it's super fun. Uh, my, my favorite scene was when it is the first kill of, of the film in terms of the main core group of characters where Freddy tears out this kid's veins and uses them as puppet strings to control the kid. It is unnerving, unsettling. I was shifting around in my seat. I don't usually fret with gore, but when it comes to certain things, I don't like eye stuff. Uh, I don't usually... I can usually go along with ear stuff well. Sometimes ear stuff bothers me, but it, particularly eyes. Uh, and then when it comes to veins, my like my, my handling of like just like vein tearing people's veins out or like just shanking something into your veins, especially like on that side of your wrists, I it doesn't I don't sit well with it for whatever reason. Uh, and seeing just veins being torn out of this kid and being used as puppets was so unsettling to see, but it was so iconic, especially the final kill. Oh, so good. Um, so if you're going to watch any Nightmare on Elm Street movies, watch the first one and watch this one, and then I would maybe say uh, Wes Craven's new Nightmare if you want to get a feel for uh, like a prototype for Scream. That's kind of the movie you want to watch. Um and if you want to watch any Friday the 13th movies, I would say watch the first four. Um, two and three aren't particularly amazing, but four, one and four are pretty solid. Uh, now, two more movies I'm going to recommend to you. First, City Lights. Uh, I had to watch this for my midterms. <laughs> and surprisingly, I'm not a huge silent movie person, but... This is one of the best silent movies I've ever seen. There's only one movie I would say is better than that, and that is Sherlock Jr. Uh, that movie's in my top 100 movies of all time. Uh, I love Buster Keaton. But Charlie Chap this is like Charlie Chaplin's magnum opus. Uh, I mean, the boxing scene alone is hilarious. It is one of the best, uh, best choreographed sequence I've ever seen in a movie. One of the funniest movie scenes I've seen in a movie. Uh, I was dying laughing. I was thoroughly entertained and impressed with these one long take, uh, long takes of uh, Charlie Chaplin, his boxing rival, and the referee doing these this like complex choreographed boxing. Uh, it was fantastic. Um, it's a, a little episodic, I guess, but I mean that's besides the point. It is a nice little funny love story heartwarming and yeah uh really enjoyed that one highly recommend highly recommend and finally we're going to end with a new movie that i literally just watched today um called the last duel uh, and the reason that i'm going to recommend this one a i'm going to recommend you guys more new movies as i watch them b because this is a really good movie it is like the fifth or sixth ridley scott movie i've seen uh, i need to see better movies from him I've seen Blade Runner, which is pretty good. Uh, I think it's a little overhyped, and maybe that was just my state of mind in watching it. I need to rewatch it. Um, I've seen Thelma and Luis, which I think was solid. I've seen uh, Legend, which I thought was bad, and I thought I've seen uh, G.I. Jane, which I thought was mediocre. So I, this is probably my favorite Ridley Scott movie right now. It's basically just like medieval me too i suppose um a woman accuses adam driver of rape and you basically get to see the story from matt damon's character's point of view who's the husband of the woman whose name escapes me at the moment from adam driver's point of view and then from the woman's point of view uh leading up to this final duel that is one of the most intense uh, things I've ever seen. Like, I was on the edge of my seat, really, like, rooting for one of the characters. Um, fantastic, fantastic movie. Uh, highly recommend. You can kind of feel the runtime. It's like two hours, 40 minutes. You can feel it a little bit, but overall, really good, really well made. Uh, it only made, like, a million dollars in the box office, which is literally less than 1% of how much it costs to make this film. <laughs> so, please go see this movie. Support movies in theaters. 
support good movies in theaters. Uh, and this is a good movie that's in theaters. And yeah, that has been today's episode of the Cinema Lounge. A thunderstorm is starting up right outside, so I imagine you can hear the rain pitter-pattering against my window right now. If not, just pretend like I didn't say that. So we're going to wrap it up real quick so I can take a shower, edit this, and go to bed. (laughs) This has been the Cinema Lounge Podcast. I've been your host, Garrett. We chilled and talked about the new Netflix show, probably one of the best things on Netflix, Midnight Mass, a vampire show about religion. Um, I give it like a 9 out of 10. I love it a lot. And I love you a lot. And I would love you even more if you let me know in the comment section down below what you thought of Midnight Mass. Uh, where where are you coming from in terms of how you're viewing the show? Are you an atheist, Christian, Muslim? Uh, and how did that impact your viewing of the show? Leave me, leave me responses down in the comments down below. If you're watching on YouTube, press the subscribe button, the bell notification. Watching on Rumble, give us a Rumble subscribe. Let us know in the comments as well. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere, frankly, you're listening to podcasts, follow us there. Leave us a five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. And yeah, that has been it for me tonight. I hope you guys have a great day. I'm going to get some sleep now. Always remember, man, just treat each other right. Don't put your faith in men. Find something greater than yourselves to follow. And that is how you make real change and good change in the world. I love you all. Have a good night. God bless. I'm going to sing a hymn now. Nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee. Even though it be a cross that I... (laughs) I don't know the tune to this. I feel stupid. Near my God to thee. I love you all. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) 